Welcome to this Sunday morning. Um, God bless you guys for coming, and especially if you're here for the first time, I trust the Lord Jesus Christ and His living Word will move and speak to your life. So if you come believing that the Lord Jesus promised many years ago when two or three gather that I will be there in the midst of you, then you can come in faith believing that He is here and you can seek Him. And if you seek Him with all your heart, you will find Him. So let's bow our heads in prayer. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for all that you are and all that you do in our lives. We are weak, but you are strong. And you lift us up, Lord God, when we call upon your name. You are the one who controls every area of our life when we submit our heart to you. Father, we come before you this morning because we want to learn more of your ways, more of your truth. We want to become more and more like Jesus because in Jesus there is peace. Father, you are the light, you are the life. I pray, Father, you would give us uh, wisdom and understanding of your word this morning, that you would cast out every distraction and everything that is against your truths. I pray that you would cast it out in the name of your son, Jesus. And those who are here, Lord God, for the first time who don't know you, Lord God, who've never heard of you or, or, or are here, Lord God, because they're curious, whatever reason, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to them in such a way that they would know that you are God. I pray, Father, for this church. I pray for everyone that comes to this fellowship, Lord God. Those who come Sunday morning, I pray that you would enlighten us, Father. Open our eyes, open our ears. To yours be the glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I woke up this morning um, reflecting on what I wanted to share, and uh, I sat down at the breakfast table, and this this thought and vision kind of a picture came into my mind, and it was uh, this picture of us fellowshipping, not at this church, but at another church, and the church was big, and it was white, and um, and there was a lot of lot of people, and I found myself quite discouraged. And there I was staring at my breakfast, <laughs> and I said, no, Lord, you know. I saw all these people in this picture, like a lot of Christians, you know, and I found myself disheartened, and I said, no, Lord, I don't want that. I don't want that. I just want what we've got. I just want um, people loving Jesus with all their life, you know. I just want that one, two, three people who totally, totally are sold out for Jesus Christ, that is so much more beautiful. And that's, that's, all, that's all I want. I just want everyone in this church to love God with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength. And, and that's it. And if there's a few of us doing that, that's, that's all that matters. And I want to share with you this morning a very important um, passage, I think, in the, found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want, to, I want to draw for you um, this morning the different kind of Christian, a different kind of Christian that I think is not a Christian at all. And I need you to understand this important passage because I, I, I think when we take the Word of God, we apply it to our lives, we read it to understand it, not that we look at it so we can judge other men, but we look at it so that we can judge ourselves. And I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 to 3 together. And I want to talk about the carnal Christian, the carnal Christian, and what that means. I don't know if you've heard that term before, 
But let's look at the carnal Christian. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. And I, brethren, this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. He calls them brethren. He acknowledges that they are brothers in Christ. And he says to them, And I, brethren, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. Why? Because you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? There's so much that Paul wants to tell the church in Corinthian. There's so much that Paul wants to tell the church, but there seems to be a wall. There's a wall that, that, that is there in his word to the church. They don't seem to understand what he wants to say. There seems to be some kind of a block. And he says to them, I have fed you with milk. I've done what I can. I've given you the simplicity of God's word, which he defines as milk. And, I, 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 and not with meat. I haven't given you the, you know, the chunky bits. I haven't given you the hard bits. I haven't given you the things that you should be chewing on. All I, I've done is I've given you uh, the, the, the simple things, the simplicity of God's word. And even that you're kind of struggling with. You, you're finding it hard to understand. And I find it pretty amazing that Paul is telling a church that they are carnal. Carnal means that you are pretty much still in the flesh. And that's why he says in verse 3, you are, not, are you not carnal and walk as men? He's telling these Christians that you're still walking as men, as people, if you like, as humans, which is pretty interesting. What other way is there to walk? I'm a man after all, you know. So how did you want me to walk? And there's a way of walking that is carnal and there is a way of walking that is, that is spiritual. But there's also a way of understanding that is carnal and a way of understanding that is spiritual. And the Corinthian church, church seemed to have failed understanding that which was spiritual. And that thing that is spiritual, he calls meat. A child, a baby, doesn't cry the fact that they don't get a steak. A child or a baby cries because you've kept the milk bottle from them. If they saw the milk, they run to it, they love it, they want milk. They don't desire steak, they want milk. And Paul is saying there's so much greater things. There is the depth of God's word, there's the depth of Christ's life, there's the depth of his grace and goodness, and all you seem to be crying about is milk. All you want is just your milk bottle. And that's a shame because there's so much to God that you're missing out on. It's like a gardener who takes you through his garden and he shows you all the wonderful plants. And there you go, there it is there, that beautiful cotton plant. You look at it, you touch it, you feel it, it's soft and it's nice. And he wants to say to you, look, I want to show you something far more beautiful. That smell that you smell, can you smell it? You know, I want to show you where that comes from. But no, you're interested in that soft plant because it's soft. And you know, you know that that beautiful smell that comes in his garden is coming from a, a flower called the rose. 
But you've been there before, you've kind of touched the rose bush and it's made up of thorns and thistles. And you don't like that, you'd rather have the softness of that plant. But yet the most beautiful flower in all the garden is the rose. But it requires you that when you look at the rose, that it's got the thorns and the thistles and you don't like that, therefore you stick with your milk. You stay with your milk. And it's unfortunate because today's day and age, the Word of God is so deep, so deep and so rich that people, very few people actually dig deep enough to find that beautiful, beautiful piece of steak, if you like, that meat, you know, that, that you'd pay money for. It's like the world filled with all its wonder and all its glory and all its beauty and all you want to do is stay in your backyard. And the reason why you were given a backyard is that you can learn how to climb trees and how to run around and how to build things like a cubby house in your backyard so that when you leave your backyard, you can go to the real world and climb Amazon. But no, you'd rather stay in your backyard. And how can I describe to you Amazon and the jungle and how beautiful it is if all you want to do is stay looking at the lawn in your own backyard? You can never comprehend it. You'll never understand it if all you do is just stay in your backyard. And Paul is saying, how do I, how do I get you to understand? How do, how do I get you to see? I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for you can't even bear it. And then he says something quite significant. Listen to this, very, very important. He says, not only can't you bear it, he goes, you are not able to. You are not able to. This is a very important truth. And this is, this is somehow a, a, an answer to why some people just don't get it. Some people don't get it, not because um, they want to or they desire to. Simply, they don't get it because they're not able to. And that's a very scary thing because you can preach as much as you want. You can be the most convincing person in the world. You can be quite persuasive. You can know all the doctrines and, and, and how to articulate that. But when someone is not able to get it, they won't get it. And this is a sad place to be because I don't think there is such a thing as a carnal Christian. I think there is carnal people in churches. And what Paul does here, he describes the carnal Christian or the Christian, the carnal Christian, the one who cannot get it, is like a babe. Now, I need you to understand this because this is very important because the debate goes on, is there such a thing as a carnal Christian? Is there a carnal Christian? Can you be carnal? Can you be a Christian? Carnal means that basically you're very much reliant on the flesh. You're very much reliant on the physical well-being. Everything that you, uh, um, everything that you look to is always filtered through carnality, through the flesh, through, through a perspective on earth, not on heaven. So your decisions are all filtered through your own flesh. Um, your understanding of the Bible, it's all filtered through your own desires and your own emotions. And therefore, you're not able to attain the spiritual truths. And some people say, is there such a thing? Can a Christian actually be like this? Can a Christian be both spiritual and someone who's still in this flesh? And that's why Paul says, are you not men? You walk as men, which is beautiful. It's like Paul is saying, no, no, listen, we no longer walk as men anymore. We, we walk the supernatural, the spiritual. We don't walk like other people walk anymore. But you guys, you're still walking like humans, like how the human being walks. Is there such a thing as a carnal Christian? No, there isn't. There isn't. You can't be double-minded, the Bible says. Anyone who's double-minded, let them know that they won't, they won't receive anything of the Lord. 
So you can't be carnal and you, and you can't be spiritual. You decide whether you want to be spiritual, give your life over to Jesus Christ, and from now on, the life that you live, you live by the Spirit of the Lord and you follow after His Spirit and you submit everything that is carnal underneath the, the authority of the Spirit of God. Or you decide, well, I'm going to decide to be carnal and fleshly and, and, and understand the world and even Christian faith through the light of who I am. Because who I am is very important. And I need to be comfortable and I need to be secure and I need to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm at peace with all the doctrines and all the theology and how everything is. And when you walk like that, you walk as men. So is it such a thing? Can you be carnal and can you be spiritual? Well, no, you can't. But Paul says, but you are likened unto a babe. So Paul kind of describes the Christian walk. At the early stages of the Christian walk, uh, there, there's babies because you're born again, you see. And when you're born again, you're born as a baby. And so at the early stages of the Christian walk, you're a baby. And a baby generally appears and manifests a lot of carnality. A baby cries over milk, you know. A lot of carnality because the baby's still trying to understand trying to work its way through the doctrines and, and, and the walk. I mean, I've been living in the world for so many years and all I know is how to appease and appeal to my physical being. But now I've become a Christian. The Spirit of God has filled my heart. I've got to tell my body how my arms should respond and how my legs should be walking and how my head should be turning. I've never done this before. So for a season and for a time, I need to train my body according to the Spirit of God. And I'm going to appear carnal. I'm going to make decisions that are carnal. I'm going to make decisions that are, that are going to cost me and teach me that that's not the decision I should be making. And that's okay. The grace of God covers me. It leads me. It draws me to where? To become what? Spiritual. To be spiritual. And so Paul had a problem with the church is that these People in Corinthian, um, much like much churches, even our church today, they're still babies. There's only a certain time you can be a baby for. You've got to grow up. You've got to be mature. You gotta, but you guys are still babies. And I want to tell you so much about the life of the maturity, the life of perfection, the life of holiness, the life of righteousness. I want to tell you so much more than just forgiveness and, 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 and love and, and, and grace. I want to tell you so much more about the depth and glory of God. But all you want to hear is love. All you want to hear is grace. All you want to hear is forgiveness. And there's Christianity, Christianity is more and above those things. And so Paul is saying, yeah, are you not? carnal, that you walk as men. And why do I know that you're carnal? He says this, he says, because you still strive, you still argue, you still battle, you still, you still kind of, um, what's the words he uses? For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal? Don't you walk as what the world walks? Envying, you're jealous of one another. Uh, there's always arguments, there's always battling, you know, and there's division among you. You're all divided. Isn't this not carnal? How can, you, how can the house of God be divided? There's only the, the body of Christ. We are many members, but there's one body. He goes on to say in another passage in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And I become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. 
Now, some people question whether that was Paul who wrote the book of Hebrews, but nonetheless, it's still the same spirit. You ought to be teachers by now, but you still have need to be taught the very first basic principles. People don't like to hear a message about the, 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 the transforming power of Jesus Christ in their life and the command to take up your cross and follow him. Because that's complicated for me. That's too hard. I can't do that. But people like to hear the fact that they're loved by God and they're forgiven by God. And even those people, they struggle with the fact of the forgiveness and love of God because they're always having to be reminded, no, but God loves you. No, no, but you are forgiven. Because you're, you're to be told again the first principles of the oracles of God and, and have become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. You're still stuck at the place, does God really love me? Does God really forgive me? He goes, but come on, man, you've got to move on. You, you've got to move on. He goes, for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness because he's a babe. If you're just going to drink milk, you're only going to develop according to what the milk can give you. But you've got to get into real food now. Because when you get into real food, now your body's going to develop accordingly. If you spent most of your life drinking milk, then you're only going to be as strong as what the milk can give you, or even weak. But when you get into the real food, you're going to grow accordingly. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. See, when, you, when, you, when, you're, when you're growing and you're developing and you're, now you're eating, you're becoming more and more, more and more mature to understand what you're able to discern what is right and what is wrong. You need to move to meat in order to be able to discern what is right and what is wrong. When you're stuck in your milk, you're always going to be lost what is right and what is wrong. Those who move towards meat... The depth of God's word. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not just talking about an understanding. I'm talking about living the word of God. Living the word of God. I can live the word of God by believing that Jesus forgave me and I live accordance to that forgiveness. But I can't manifest that to you. I can't show you that God's forgiven me. Can I? I mean, I can live in accordance by the grace of God and that God loves me. But I can't manifest that to you. Can I? Or I can move according to the meat of God's word and allow the love of God transform and change my heart and for me now to love the unlovable. For me now to forgive the unforgivable. And he's saying, brothers, get out of your milk. Start getting into the meat. Get into the crux of the gospel. Get into what Jesus was and start eating. Live the gospel like Jesus lived it. Now, I want, to, I want to share something with you, because I think the Bible draws beautiful pictures uh, for us to understand this principle. He does it through his own disciples. I, I as, as, a, as, a, as a guide, as a rule, when I watch the life of the disciples with Jesus, I interpret the life of the disciples with Jesus before the cross as a picture of the man who is carnal, that has or is in the midst of the Holy Spirit. I see the disciples are a picture of the flesh with Christ as the Holy Spirit. And we watch the body move around in Israel. We see what they do and how they respond. But if you want to get into the meat, the meat, I see the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the transforming power of the cross in their lives after. That's the meat. 
the one that desired to be hung upside down, whereas before he was like a coward trying to protect himself. And so Paul is saying you've got to stop drinking the milk. You've got to get into the meat. Let's look at an example of Peter. Look at what Peter... Um, I want to just... Some examples. Some examples from Peter's life. Matthew chapter... You don't need to turn to these. I'll, I'll, I'll read them and then I'll explain the, the, the context. But Matthew chapter 16, verse 22... Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto you. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get you behind me, Satan. You are an offence unto me, for you savourest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. <laughs> you don't desire the things that be of God, you desire the things that be of men. Now here, Jesus was telling Peter that basically he's going to go and die. And Peter, as lovable as he is and as loving as he is, he turns around and he says to Jesus, get out, get out of th- th- this thought, this, this thing that you're saying, let it be as far from me as possible. I don't want to hear it. And then Jesus turns around and he rebukes him and he, and he says to him, stand behind me, Satan, devil. This is pretty powerful. My goodness, could be a little bit more sensitive, you know, a little bit more loving, a little bit more caring. You don't want to lose Peter, do you, Jesus? But he says, stand behind me, Satan, because you don't desire the things of God. You desire the things that men desire. But you're talking about Peter here. Peter, he was walking with Jesus. He lived with Jesus. (laughs) But it's the same. It's the picture when you think in your mind that you're doing Jesus a favour or you're doing what Jesus wants you to do because it seems good and noble to say to Jesus, no, 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 I'm not going to let anyone kill you. I'm not going to let anyone destroy you because this is what Christians do. I mean, this is, looks Christian, right? But the Spirit of God, the truth of God, can see right through your heart. He sees right through your mind and he says to you, stand behind me, Satan. What you're doing and what you're thinking is of the devil. It's of the devil. It's not the Spirit of God. It's your will, your desire, what you want. On another occasion, um, for poor Peter, when he, Jesus again, was telling him the way of the cross and how he's going to the cross. And, and, and can I follow you, Jesus? Can I go there too? And Jesus basically says to him, no, you can't. I know, I know your, your flesh wants to, you see. I know your desires as a man. You, you look at God and you love God and you, you, you really want to serve God. But can you really follow him? And Jesus says to him, no, you can't. You can't do this, Peter. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? In John chapter 13, verse 37. I will lay down my life for your sake. This is Peter. Jesus answered him, Will you? Will you really, will you really lay down your life for my sake? Verily, verily, I tell you, the cock shall not crow till you have denied me three times. This is a crazy stuff because he didn't say to him verily verily I say to you the cock will not crow till you deny me he says it won't won't crow till you denied me three times because what I'm trying to show you is that you can't be spiritual and carnal at the same time 
If you're carnal, nothing good comes out of carnality. No praise, no worship, no honor, no glory, no prayer. Nothing comes out of carnality. You could be zealous. You could be motivated. You could feel like you love Jesus. You could feel like you want to protect him. You could feel like he's given you, granted you wisdom and understanding. You can feel all that. But no sooner will you deny him when the trial and the test comes and you end up in your sin. You understand? Because you're still carnal. If you were spiritual, you would fulfill all righteousness. If you're spiritual, you would hearken to the voice of God who says don't, and yet you do. Don't. And you can love God and you can be joyous in him. You can do whatever you want. But when he says don't and you do, are you not yet still carnal? Aren't you not yet? It doesn't matter how you feel because you could feel really close to God, but that's just carnal. That's flesh. I'm sure, I am sure, listen, I am sure Peter, with all his heart and all his mind, there was no doubt that he would die for Jesus. What a strong man Peter was when you gave him things pertaining to the flesh, like a sword in the garden. You see? How dependent he becomes on that very tool that he needs to to fulfill the very desires in his heart that, no way, we will defend you, Jesus. So he needed some carnal tool, some carnal weapon to, 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 to extend his desires, to encourage that carnality. And what does he do in the garden? Well, with a sword, he's a mighty man, isn't he? With the, with the tools of the, the earth and the world, he becomes quite strong. But what? No sooner he's in, he, Jesus tells him, what does Jesus say to him? He says, Peter, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right hand. Told you, Jesus, I'll be there for you. See how good it is? See, what, you know, I'm, I was true. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into your sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? You've misunderstood, Peter. I know you're zealous and I know that you love me, but listen, you've got to do the father's will. You've got to do the father's will. (laughs) In the end, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what your opinion is of the matter and what it isn't and what it is. Are you doing the father's will? And so this is, the, this is the question, brothers and sisters. The church is made up of people who know and don't do, but they're happy to listen to a good message of love, forgiveness, mercy, because it eases their conscience. Or those who know and do, and they're happy to listen to whatever command he gives. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, as long as you go with me, as long as you're with me, I'm ready to go. These ones have discerned and they're able to, to train their senses because there's nothing that, nothing that binds them or keeps them or holds them. The other ones have yet to experience what it is to grow up. There's only a certain time you can stay a baby. You understand? So when people talk about, oh, the grace of God, the grace of God, the grace of God, completely the grace of God. But the grace of God is given to you to carry you into maturity. You understand? The grace of God is given to you to build you up, to strengthen you, to establish you, to put you on good grounding. But if you don't grow up, everyone looks at you and says, they're deformed. That baby 
is deformed. I don't understand, but that baby at the age of three should stop looking like a baby. It must be deformed. 14, 14 years later in the faith, that baby is sick. There's something wrong with this baby. What's going on? And on a spiritual level, that's exactly what it is. It's deformed. There's something not right with their faith. Their, their faith hasn't grown and flourished. It's twisted. And it's, and it's, and it's, 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 a, it's disgusting. It's ugly before the angels in heaven. It's like the animals. Because, because in the end, what is this all about? What is this, this, this milk and this meat for Peter? You look at the accounts where Peter manifests carnality, even with Jesus by his side, what is he showing the world? There's one, one thing, self-preservation. That's all he was doing. He was guarding himself. He was protecting his ideas. He was protecting his theories. He was protecting his philosophy. And that is what carnality is. Carnality is self-preservation. It's what you want. It's how you want it. It's what it should be. But you don't desire the things of God. And you don't even know you don't desire the things of God because that thing is hard to comprehend. That's what it says. They can't comprehend it unless you're spiritual. Like Again, the animal kingdom shows us clearly like the skunk. The skunk, what does the skunk have to do to self-preserve itself? It's got to turn around and show you its backside and then spit out a smell from its glands and stink you up for three weeks or however long it takes. And that's what carnal Christians do, no offence. They stink up the church. And they have their back towards the truth. They make their presence known and it's foul. But Jesus says something very, very beautiful when it talks about meat. Like when it talks about meat, it's very simple. And this is why Christ grounded us in the faith. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, 26. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever will save his life shall lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what's it going to profit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? See, right there, right there, Christ made it clear for those who want to walk spiritually where they're going to find their food. And those who don't like that and are happy to stay sucking a bottle will never find the work, the power, the evidence of the cross and the resurrection in their life. I think of the bee, talking about animals. The bee, the honeybee in particular, in its self-preservation to protect itself, what does it need to do? It needs to sting. And in stinging, what does it do? It dies. Like the example here, Jesus says, if you want to try and save your life, you're going to lose it. Because it's all about self-preservation. I try to save my life, I'll be fine. That only belongs to the, the milk. Those of you who come to a mature age, like Peter, when he was a baby, he went around wherever Jesus said, 
and he was, Jesus would say something amazing and he was like feeling really good about it. <laughs> I follow him. He was happy to do that, you know. Jesus showed his authority. That's so good because it reflects me. Jesus basically gave food. That's so good. It reflects me. He healed the sick. I'm part of him. I follow him. It reflects me. But in the end, it was all childish. It was all very, very childish. Till Jesus Christ died. And on the day of Pentecost, he gave him the Holy Spirit. And this time, the Spirit of God wasn't outside of him, walking with him. This time, the Spirit of God was in him. And he manifested to the world what a man who chews on meat becomes. What a man who allows the Spirit of God to come into their life to transform them becomes. And so he ends up preaching to 3,000 people. He ends up converting the whole Christian world. And then on the day that he dies, rather than picking up a sword and rather than saying it by words, oh, I'll never let you go, he ends up telling the people, tradition says, please don't let me die like my master. Rather, hang me upside down on the cross. Because the man knew how to chew meat. He knew the cost. He knew the call. He wasn't, he wasn't satisfied by just people telling him, oh, God loves you, God loves you. It's not enough for me when I'm still in my sin. What good is the love of God upon me if I'm still struggling with my sin? The one who wants meat says, okay, that's good, man. That's, that's really good, but come on. I need to know how can I be delivered from my sin. Well, God's forgiven you. God's forgiven you. Oh, that's good, man. Like, I, I believe God's forgiven me, but I'm still in my sin. I'm still in my sin. I need to know how to overcome this sin. And so the one who pursues and, and, and wants to know the depth of Christ, they seek his wisdom because they fear him. They're tired of being in their sin. I'm tired of being frustrated. I'm tired of being impatient. I'm tired of uh, being lustful. I'm tired of being greedy. I'm tired of just trying to save myself, my own opinion, my views. My, I'm tired of this. I need to be delivered from my sins. Are you not yet carnal? How long have you been a Christian? How long have you been a Christian? What is it that's hindering you to walk in the Spirit, not to walk as men? Assess it, analyze it, and understand it. It's because you try to preserve your life. And so I want you to understand, cut away all the emotions. Cut away your enthusiasm. Cut away your zeal. And say, Lord God, I need you to make me all that you want me to be, regardless of how I think and what I feel about it. Before I finish, what is meat? What is meat? I believe meat is when a man comes to the knowledge that everything that they believe and every way that they live is a reflection of the power of the work of Jesus Christ in their life and in their heart, no matter how you want to look at it. That's the meat. Their theology doesn't matter how shallow or how deep as long as it's the truth of the transforming power of Jesus Christ. That's the meat. The things that are hard to hear, the things that are hard to understand, 
the things that most people would, would reject, the, the, the thing that most people would look at and say, that's foolishness, or that's stupidity, and that's dumb, that's the meat. And only very few dare to walk the narrow, because being spiritual is a road of loneliness, emptiness, a, a road of no one wants to go there with you. But that's where the meat is. That's where you digest real life. And if you dare to give up your life and choose this straight and narrow, God promises you what he will begin, he will finish. A carnal Christian doesn't get there. Hear me out. The carnal Christian doesn't get there. Do you understand? The carnal Christian will fall halfway, they'll fall short, and they'll be swept away by the wind. But those who have discerned and put their face to the cross, he promises what he has begun, he will finish. How long have you been a Christian? Let's bow our heads in prayer. How long have you been a Christian? How long have you been a Christian? Enough, yeah? Enough. If you're here for the first time, if you're not even a Christian, or, or even if you've just recently decided to be a Christian, praise God, listen. Don't let anyone tell you anything else. Anything else other than this, that you can have Jesus and have him completely. And when you give Christ everything, he gives you everything. He will take you and he will transform you. And if you're willing, he will make your life what it was created to be. Freedom, peace, joy, love. Don't be scared to dive into Christ and get to the depth of all that he is. Don't be satisfied with just being forgiven and loved. Say to him, Lord God, I want everything. I want, I, want, I want the whole garden. I want everything. I want to see every flower. It's pointless to come to Jesus and only scratch the surface when he's opened up the gates. I believe in my heart that those of you who have continued in your carnality, that this morning... This message, you can come by faith and say, Lord God, enough is enough. This flesh, this, this, this desires, all these things are all about me. I want to put to an end. And I want you to rule in my life and in my heart. I don't want another opinion or another view about a matter when I know in my heart there is things that I still hold on to. Do this in me and clean me and change me. Do this in me first. And then I'll tell the world about you. Father in heaven, I give you thanks and I give you praise, Lord God, for your word. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would move by your Holy Spirit. That you would speak, Lord God, and make all these people in this fellowship, in this church, your disciples, Lord. That, Lord God, that they would be perfected in you, Lord Jesus. That you would complete them that there isn't anything lacking in them. 
but all the gifts of heaven poured out upon them, Lord Jesus. I pray that you give that to all those who are desiring and willing, Lord God. And if there be any carnality, Lord God, in our hearts and in our mind, Father, we beseech you and we ask you for your mercy that you would open our eyes that we may see. The carnal man cannot comprehend your ways. Teach us, Lord God, not to be blind. And if there is any amongst us blind, Lord God, I pray for your mercy that you would open our eyes, open our ears. Set us on the road of spiritual life, newness. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.